Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the awesome show because you can't spell awesome without me meaning you. It is season six, episode number two of Visible Live and I'm super excited to chat with you today. What I wanted to talk with you about is, is a conversation that I have with probably, oh, I don't know, every client of mine and that is around you know, coming up with different ideas, knowing what to say, knowing what to put out there, knowing what to sell, all of that kind of stuff. Particularly if you're in a position where you know that you need to almost like need to keep inventing or reinventing yourself along the way. So the things that, are, oh, and remain motivated and excited about what it is that you're doing. So one of the, one of the really interesting things with the people that I talk to and the people that I work with is that they, you know, they're entrepreneurs at heart. And entrepreneurs typically look for variety, we look for inspiration, we look for motivation, and we really need not necessarily spontaneity all the time, but we certainly need stuff to be able to come in. Hey, Catherine, stuff coming in that motivates and excites us. Because if we're not excited, about what it is that we're doing and creating, then that has a massive ripple effect across everything, pretty much everything that it is that we're doing. So one of the things that I wanted to chat with you about is knowing, I guess, a little bit about how to leverage your own innate ability in the sense that we're all, we're all born with a like a natural kind of way of, of being and things like that but sometimes along the way we get to this point where we're, we start putting shutting stuff out we start rejecting different things hey Georgina in terms of perhaps our our natural ability so for instance I have always had this natural ability to speak underwater with a mouthful of marbles I know it's shocking uh, speaking underwater with a mouthful of marbles and being able to just sort of like jibber jabber and entertain and, and that type of thing. Like I've always done that. We used to have people come to the house, you know, friends of, friends of my parents, and they might come around for dinner or to just, you know, hang out and drink or like what, I don't know, like they used to just come around and visit us. And there was always a performance to be put on. And usually with me attached to them, you know, trying to be a part of all of the adult conversations and, you know, that kind of thing. I always, I always had a blast doing that. But then as we kind of get older, there are different things that we start to take on board. And it might be a, a, a teacher, for instance, saying, you need to stop talking. Or a boss, like one of the things that happened to me, I had a, a manager early on in my banking career but that went for 12 years. But early on in my banking career, I had this, this manager say, Nicola, nobody appreciates your jokes. You need to stop saying them. And I was like, wait, what? Really? My jokes are fucking hilarious. I didn't say that to her, but I thought it in my head. I was about 19 years old. And like, I wasn't telling jokes to the customers, right? Like, cause that would be, you know, I, I could totally get how that might be. A, like, whoosh, pull your head in Nick. But no, no, this is like with the other, with the fellow staff members who I thought were, you know, my, not my friends, like we wouldn't hang out on the weekend and stuff, but, but I sort of thought that we all kind of got along. She's like, Nicola, nobody appreciates your jokes. You need to stop telling them. And I was just like, oh, dying. 
And actually what happened as a result of that was I, I believed, I, I took, I totally took that on board. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not the, the funny person. It took me a really long time to, instead of just kind of like being me in, in any way, place, shape or form that I would sort of turn up, it were, it led to me second guessing everything. So, I mean, that happened kind of later on, but then there was also, you know, as you, there's learned things that we go through as, as we're getting older and, you know, through our childhood and stuff like that. So one of the best things that we can do is obviously to em, embrace and be ourselves, but sometimes it can be a little bit forgotten along the way. So what did I, what I wanted to share with you was a little bit about the natural soul styles and there's about eight of them that, that we've got. And it's a little bit about like, a little bit like behavioral profiling or like archetypes in the sense that there, there will be a predominant one that you really resonate with is something that feels really natural, like slipping on a, hey Jess, slipping on a really comfy jumper or putting on a really great pair of shoes. Or you know, when you, when you see something, you're like, Oh my God, that's it. Like, I just, I need that. Like you just, there's a knowing almost. So there'll be something in here, one of these that you'll really resonate with. And what this will give you a little bit, what it did for me anyway, was it gave me a little bit of a, oh, that's right. Like this is, this is who I am. And this is really important from an alignment perspective to me, because when we're looking at alignment, when we're aligned and we're doing things in a way that really kind of fits us like a glove and, and it has us feeling really great and it feels really natural and normal, that's when that intuition, right, just starts to sort of flow through. So it helps for you or it helps to kind of release that seal almost so that you can just do what it is that we need to do. So without any further ado, let me share them with you. So the first one is divine power. Now, divine power, you know, this is somebody who's really driven by freedom and choice. Okay, now it's not power as in, well, the shadow side or the unresourceful side might be somebody who's acting a bit like a tyrant, where it's just like, if this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it, you know, there's no, there's no, don't question me, you know, rah, 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 a very kind of militant but somebody who is resourceful and entrepreneurs tend to have the divine power, like the gene, the, the, uh, the soul style of this, where you, you use the tools available to you to be able to create freedom and choice, but you know that you need money to be able to do that. So we've got lots of opportunities, right? There are many, many things, these divine power people, I've got many, many things with Jess, I meant to agree with you with what, yours, what your primary was is certainly that. Um, it means that you've got a whole load of ideas, right? But sometimes you can get, that can become more overwhelming than empowering and motivating. Okay. So if you're a divine power person, think Gary Vaynerchuk is someone like this. Uh, they can get stuck in that wheel of being busy without being productive and they can just, they can get distracted by the shiny things, right? So the thing that you want to do is go, all right, well, like if I'm the divine power person, is this contributing and is this helping to build and grow the freedom and choice that I want and need in my life? Is this helping to make money that will feed into this goal and this goal and this goal? Now, in terms of 
uh, like some of you might be familiar with disk profiling or extended disk profiling, like they have the behavioral profiling, diagnostic, then this is kind of, the, it, it sort of overlays, not exactly, but overlays into that D style, right? So D style people tend to be pretty dominant, they're decisive, they're quick thinking, they make really excellent leaders for the, if they're using that resourceful side. The unresourceful would be, like I said, a bit more militant and like a tyrant. Then we've got divine love. So our beautiful divine love people are our healers, right? They, they love just loving people. Now, it's not romantic love necessarily, but these are kind of like the like the mama bears that will sort of like bring in. And often what happens though, is that they're the people that will always be turned to when somebody needs help or advice or support. And sometimes if they are, like they can be, they will tolerate being treated like crap because they just, they wanna help, they wanna help, they wanna help. So uh, these people tend to be really excellent listeners and really great givers but they can end up in that victim, persecutor, rescuer loop, like that dry drama triangle loop, okay? Now, these people as well, they can give and give and give, and because they don't like to say no, it can make them, it can instigate that martyr complex, right? Where they're just like, did you see what I did for you just then? And the other person is like, well, I just thought you were being kind and nice, right? So, be aware of that. So one of the things that you can look at is like, well, like, is this is this helpful to them and to me? Is this good for them? Is it good for me? Is this healing them? Is it healing me? Is it motivating them? Is it motivating me? So one of these things you've got to look for is making sure that you've got that balance in there. The other piece in here to me is that because you are so non-judgmental for the most part until it you know kind of goes sideways then you want to be looking for ways that you're able to utilize this beautiful gift that you have because not everybody has that and we've got divine compassion so divine compassion tend to be drawn to nature they're tolerant compassionate they're all about community like raising other people up so think teachers carers nurses um, people like that, that are really very other people focused. And again, these people tend to self-sacrifice. They can be very empathic, so they can feel all of the things that everybody else is feeling, but they can also participate in a little bit of drama. So the divine love people and the divine compassion people tend to sort of sit in that, in the S type, um, quadrant if we're thinking about disc profiling or overlaying that in there. So an S, like a great way to think about them is like, uh, or an easy depiction would be like a Labrador. They're faithful, they're loving, they're, you know, they will just like give and give and give and give and love you and love you and love you. And often, you know, they're the sacrifice of themselves. Uh, okay, so then we've got divine order. Now, this, Jess, this was your second. Um, and this is my second. So this is, or my third, this is often about making sure that everything is in order, okay? Now, if you've got divine order, and what this means, actually, let me rephrase that. 
So this is where you'll have, you might make your bed before you get up in the morning. You wanna make sure that everything is kind of sequential and it, and it has some sense of order. Things might be a little bit chaotic, but so long as you've got the ability to be able to go, well, I know where that is, and I know where that is, and I know where that is, and I know how it all fits in, then that's fine. Now, one of the, one of the, the, the mistakes, the, the misconceptions or the misunderstandings that I took with this one because this one is for me quite high in the, in the hierarchy of, of how these all rang. I used to think that divine order meant that I couldn't necessarily be creative or create stuff on the fly or be, you know, really driven and led intuitively, if that makes sense. And so for me, the way that I look at divine order is like, there's, there's, as long as there's some method in the madness, it's okay. The other thing that our divine order people are really great at doing is, is making things that can sometimes be quite complex, make them really simple for other people to understand. So these people tend to be, they'll be well put together, right? So I, there's a divine, there's a lady that I know who is really, really high divine order. And you know, these people tend to be, like I said, well put together, well dressed. They'll usually have coordinating outfits that, that kind of work for them. Now, there's this lady, a great friend of mine um, in who lives in the States, and I'd see her and I'm like, I don't know how you wear the stuff that you wear. Like she'd wear like literally a purple, like a, a purple top, and then a mini skirt type thing, and then like bright purple leggings, and then these really high sole white sneakers, and then this amazing bag, and then a crazy necklace. And I was like, this one, this woman has no sense of style, was my opinion. But upon further, like, and then I know that she's divine order, upon Further analysis, because that was maybe me being a little bit uh, judgy based on what my view of somebody being well put together might look like. You actually look at her through, like I looked at her through a different lens, through the non-judgy lens. And I was like, wow, actually, she's put a lot of thought into this. Like maybe like way back when, when she bought all the clothes, 